Okay, John chapter 14. We're going to read two scriptures. We actually looked at these last week, and we're going to continue with this same thought. I want you to look at John 14, 21, and we'll skip down to verse 23. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and we will manifest and, and manifest myself to him. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We've been talking a lot in the last couple of weeks about God's presence, about God in the midst of us, about the Lord being with his people and his desire uh, to be with his people and his desire for us to be with him. Any, any kind of relationship is going to be a two way street. We know by far the Lord has the. Uh, the strength and the power in, the, in, in this relationship. He loved us before we ever loved Him and has reached out to us. But still, there's, there's a responding on our part to the Lord. And I, we're going to talk today about obedience to the known will of God and what does that matter. So if you're just taking notes and wondering what are we talking about today, we're talking about obedience to the known will of God. Obedience to the Lord. Obedience to what we know to be God's will. Okay? Either from His Word or by the Holy Spirit directing us, which is typically by the Word of God. And I said we've talked a lot about the Lord's desire in His heart for God to be in our midst and for us to be aware that He's in our midst. That we, that we would want Him to be in our midst. Even if you're just by yourself having your prayer time on uh, Monday morning, that you would desire not just to say words to your ceiling, but that you would desire to be in God's presence, to be aware of His presence, to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, to, to know that God is with us. Surely, Jacob said when he, was, uh, when he was fleeing from his brother Esau, and I think it was at Bethel, and he made a, uh, a pillow out of a rock there and laid his head down to go to sleep after he crossed the river, and said, God, if you'll bring me back here again, you know, in one day, and I see my family that, uh, you know, you'll be my God and, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. And while he's sleeping, he has this vision or this dream in that place of angels ascending and descending from heaven down to earth. In that one place. That was Bethel, which is the house of God. Bethel, okay? And uh, he said, surely he's in this, the Lord's in this place and I knew it not. Okay, we want to be aware that we're in God's presence. The Bible says, the Lord thy God, where? We quoted last week, in the midst of thee. We sing the song, is mighty. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee. He's not a God afar off, nor does he desire to be a God that's afar off. He doesn't just want a bunch of servants, he wants friends. Henceforth I call you no longer servants, though we do serve the Lord, we're servants of God as well, but I call you friends. Because uh, a servant doesn't know what his master's thinking or what his plans are. He just knows what he's told to do. But God, the Jesus said, I call you friends because everything the Father showed me to give to you, I've given to you. I brought you into this inner circle. I've made you part of my family. How many people could call themselves sons of God and daughters of God? You know, they're not, we're not just servants of the Lord, but we're sons and daughters. This is God's heart. And one of the conditions, y'all, this is what this is our sermon for today. One of the conditions of experiencing God's presence in my life, uh, having God near, and me knowing and appreciating and enjoying God near in my life as a believer. So this, this message is not for the lost, this message is for the Christian. It is going to be our obedience to what we know to be the will of God. And it's not going to be real complicated, but it's one of the conditions if I'm going to have the Lord in my midst and, and know it, if I am going to have unbroken fellowship with Almighty God, how many of you believe that that's possible? That we can have this fellowship and commune with God that's unbroken by anything. It's unbroken by, uh, by work or school or family trial or tragedy or economic problems. It's unbroken communion with God. Do you believe that that is possible? It is possible, okay? 
Uh, but if we're going to have that, then I need to walk and I'm going to experience that in my life. Not that God leaves me. He says I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But if I'm going to experience an unbroken fellowship with God, or what I would call an ever-increasing intimacy with the Lord, do you want your intimacy with God to increase? Or you just say, if it just stays like this, fine. I believe we ought to have a hunger for God that desires more. Not that we're dissatisfied, but it's like almost like a holy dissatisfaction. I'm satisfied with Christ, and I want more of Christ. So that's the only thing that dissatisfies me, is that I'm not closer to the Lord. That I'm not more intimate with the Lord. That sometimes I kind of check my brain out, and I, and I do my own thing, and then I remember God, and I come back to the Lord in my thoughts, or something like that. But the Lord would want us to have this ever-increasing intimate fellowship with Him. And if you and I are going to experience that, then we have to walk in obedience to the will of God. What we know to be His will. It's so important, y'all. We have to walk in His will. We have to purpose to walk in it. Because I don't think we just accidentally end up walking in His will if we don't purpose to keep our eyes on Jesus, be filled with the Spirit, stay in His Word, live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's some thought. You may not have to think about obedience every second, but we do need to think about the Lord and walking with the Lord and keeping Him in our sight and keeping Him not letting our eyes drift. It happens to all of us. That's why we come to church not just once in our life and then we're good. We come, we'll come back tonight if we can to the prayer meeting and so forth and the Sunday school and Wednesday night. We come back because our eyes drift. They drift just slightly. And coming back and lifting up Jesus and magnifying Him in His Word gets everybody in this group, everybody right here, gets our focus back on the Lord where it needs to be. And it'll start to drift again at times. But we can learn and grow in that ourselves where I don't need, okay, we're not having church till Wednesday. What do I do on Monday? You open the Word of God. You set your mind upon the Lord. You fall on your knees when you get out of bed. There's nobody around. And you lift your hands and, and begin to magnify Jesus. Without any instruments or anything like that, we begin to walk with the Lord. It is possible to have a walk like this. One of the conditions, in, and this is all we're talking about today, is to walk in the will of God. Walk what we know in obedience to what we know to be the Lord's will. Now, I want to say this. Um, I want to, I, when, I'm, when I'm talking about things like this sometimes, I want to talk about what it means and what it doesn't mean. Because sometimes what it doesn't mean can help clear up some confusion. This is not a little aside to this sermon. This is a big part of this sermon. So please listen. This does not mean... Now I'm saying, here, here's, here's our thought. If I'm going to walk in unbroken fellowship and communion with God like He desires me to, then I need to walk in obedience to what I know to be His will. It does not mean that if I disobey the Lord in some area, now I'm talking to Christians, right? They're born again. I do, if I disobey God in some area, it does not mean that I'm no longer loved by God. It doesn't mean that if I, as a believer, I, I sin against God in some way, I knew it wasn't His will, I did it anyway, doesn't mean that He's no longer merciful to me or forgives me when I confess and turn from my sin. It doesn't mean that as a believer, when I uh, sin against the Lord in some area, I told a lie. I knew it wasn't God's will, but I told a lie anyway because at the moment, it seemed like the thing to do. It seemed like it uh, fixed a quick little problem for me and got me out of a jam. Okay? I knew it wasn't the will of God. The Holy Ghost showed me it wasn't the will of God. I did it. I knew it was wrong before I did it, while I was doing it, and after I did it. It does not mean that if I do that as a believer, that I'm no longer a believer. It doesn't mean I'm not His child. I want to go back over these and look at some Scriptures because sometimes we can get ourselves... You know, there, there's almost two camps in, in a Christian's life. I'm talking, let's talk about in one camp of everybody being born again. But within that camp, you can have people that are always condemning themselves and always down and they can't do anything right. They don't have any joy in the Lord because... They, they thought something they shouldn't think. They, they prayed five minutes less today than they did yesterday. And they're heaping a bunch of stuff upon themselves. And they're not walking in the joy of the Lord. They're just, everything's wrong with me. And I'm not measuring up. And then there's another camp that honestly almost doesn't care. They just, God loves me anyway. I'll just kind of do what I want to do. And, and neither one is healthy. 
neither one is what God wants us. He wants us to walk with Him. He wants us every thought to be with Him. And when we don't, then He wants to bring us back. We just get a, a half of one degree off course, just a little bit in our day. He wants to, to tap us, lead us, guide us, speak to us. Remember that sermon. Remember that scripture on the Holy Ghost nudging us back to line us up where we need to be. And what He wants us to be is more and more lined up where we should be and less and less going astray. And that's all of us and that's all through our lives. But kind of zeroing in, honing in as we go through, here's Christ and through life. And I'm saved and I'm back here and sometimes I'm off track over here and sometimes I'm off track over here. He wants us to get more like that. Okay? And He's doing that through this message this morning and through your prayer times. And I want to look at a couple of Scriptures. If, if I'm saying that if we're going to have this unbroken, intimate fellowship with God, the Lord in our midst, we have to walk in, in obedience to His will. does not mean that if I, as a Christian today, sin or sin, that I'm no longer loved by God. The Bible says very clearly, His Word teaches otherwise, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God commended His love towards us while we were sinners. So think about it for just a moment. If when I was a sinner, when you, were born, when you were lost and didn't know Christ, I was lost and didn't know Christ, my B.C. days, before Christ, He loved me then, right? He loved you then. He gave His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. Um, he's reached out to us. In fact, He loved us perfectly. His love is a perfect love. And while we're sinning against Him, maybe saying some curse words, taking God's name in vain, doing things that are totally contrary to Him, and out and out rebellion to God. Maybe we know it fully, maybe we don't realize it, but we're sinning against God and we're lost. He loved me perfectly then. And gave, expressed His love by offering up His only Son to die. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Now that He's reconciled me to his, Himself, I put my trust in Him, I've believed with the measure of faith that I can believe, with the saving faith. I've given my life to Christ. I'm born again. He's washed me in the blood of His Son, Jesus. His Holy Spirit lives in me. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now that I'm a Christian and I've sinned today, do I think that this God no longer loves me? Some people do. Some people think that they sinned. As a believer, they're no longer loved by God. I'm just saying in point number one here, that even as a believer, when we sin, we're still loved by God. We're still loved by the Lord. And I want to read uh, a couple of scriptures here. I quoted from Romans 5, but listen, listen to this if you're taking notes, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. Paul says in Romans 8, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm specifically talking to believers. In Christ Jesus our Lord. He's my Savior and my Lord. Our sins and our disobedience as a believer now, I commit a sin, if and when I do, Absolutely, that's going to hinder my communion with the Lord. But it does not mean I'm no longer loved by God. God hates me. God stopped loving me. I lied today. Well, then repent. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to strengthen you. And if that's a habit that we do it of a besetting sin or something we struggle with, fast and pray and seek the Lord. Study His Word online. See how He feels about it. Ask God to strengthen you in that inner man. And, and hang on to the Lord for days and weeks and months, however long, till He sets you free from that or causes you to walk in some victory, a measure of victory over that. But I'm, I'm just making the point in, in this point that if I sin as a believer, it doesn't mean I'm, that I'm no longer loved by God. The Bible says when I talk about that Scripture, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee, right, is mighty. He goes on to say, He will save, He will rejoice over thee with joy, He will rest in His love, he will joy over thee with singing. He still loves us. He loved me. My point in all this, He loved me when I was a, just totally separated from God 
and lost in sin. And our iniquities, our iniquities have gone over my head. There is nothing redeemable in me other than Jesus loves me. And I call to the Lord. So now I'm saved and I'm walking with God. And I want to serve God. But I get careless or I get lazy or I sin willfully. That does not mean I'm no longer loved by God. That's point number one. Number two, it does not mean that if you and I sin as a believer, that God will no longer be merciful to me. What if I, uh, He runs out of patience with me? What if He runs out of mercy with me? I come every day and I ask God to forgive me for and you fill in the blank. Uh, does it mean that God will no longer be merciful to us? Will it mean? Does it mean if I sin as a believer that? And I've maybe done it repeatedly that if I confess and genuinely repent to God, that He will no longer forgive me. No, a thousand times no. That is not the biblical truth. The biblical truth is that His mercies are fresh and new every morning. The biblical truth is that Thou art good and ready to forgive, David says in the Psalms, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon Thee. Listen to it again, Psalm 86, 5. Thou art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon you. And so when we turn to God as believers, we find mercy. My little children, he's writing to believers, John in 1 John 2, these things write I unto you. So he's writing to believers, right? Little children. I write this unto you that you sin not. As a commandment, sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That tells me I'm not to sin as a believer. Sometimes I do and sometimes I will more than I care to and more than I should, more than I need to. But every time I come, I find plenteous mercy. I find an advocate, Jesus Christ. Okay? He's there and He's ready to forgive. And he, uh, and he forgives me. I'll just read this from Lamentations. Jeremiah, this I recall to mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. Israel was in horrible backslidden state, way away from God, and He was bringing judgment upon their country because they had continued and persisted in rebellion and idolatry. And Jeremiah is identifying himself with the people and said, this I call to mind. It's of the Lord's mercies. They were not consumed. His compassions failed not. Well, it had no, nothing to do with the measure of their sin. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Okay, so that's with lost men, but that's with saved men as well. So, our second point. As believers, we sin against God. Does it affect our communion with the Lord, our intimacy with God, our usefulness for God? Yes, all of that. It does at that moment. But it does not mean we're no longer loved by God. He loves us still. doesn't mean if we turn from our sin and confess to Him that we're not still going to find mercy and grace and restoration and forgiveness and strength. Okay? In time of need, we will. He, and a thousand times a thousand, He's still going to be there merciful. His mercies are fresh and new every morning. So don't put that upon yourself or let the devil put it upon you that, okay, I, I sinned as a believer one too many times, that's just it now. I'm not going to find forgiveness. You will. You come the same way you came the first time, the foot of the cross. You come the same way you confess it to God and agree with God. You make no excuses. Don't make any bold promises that you'll never do it again. Just come to God and say, forgive me and strengthen me that I might glorify you in my life and not do this. Don't make an oath that you'll never do it again because you probably will. And I probably will. Turn it over to God, but you're going to find mercy when you come. Third point, if as a believer, genuine born again person, uh, that I sin against God, it does not mean that God is through with me and I'm lost now. Well, you sin nine times, He'll, he'll forgive you. You sin ten times, you're not His child anymore. Blots your name out of the book of life. does not mean that. That is not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Word of God says. That's not the character and the nature of our God. We've studied on apostasy. Yes, people can, can uh, turn from the Lord and forfeit their salvation, trample underfoot the blood of Jesus, do despite unto the Spirit of grace by which they were saved, and turn from the Lord. That's a willful decision, turning from the Lord. That's not as a result of a sin. Not a result of a horrible sin. It's not the result of multiple sins. It's a result of no longer believing in this one who can save us. 
and redeem. So I want you to know and put that to rest for all of us in our hearts and minds that uh, that that we know that we know that we belong to God and the Holy Spirit's bearing witness with our spirit says in Romans that we're children of God. What about I just sinned? I just lied horribly. It's gross. The Bible says it's gross. I did it. No Christian could do that. And we start talking to ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves out of the Word of God. And we need to let God talk to us out of His Word. Because He says He's ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy. Does He like the sin? Does He think lightly of it? Does He excuse it and brush it, sweep it up onto the carpet somewhere? No, He washes it in the blood of Jesus. If we'll turn to Him and repent and be forgiven and removes it from us as far as the east is from the west. But my point number three is that if you sin as a believer or I sin as a believer, it does not mean that I'm no longer a believer. It doesn't mean I'm not part of God's family, that He's cast me off. And I want to tell you that there is security. There's a very real security in Jesus Christ for the believer. There's very real security in the blood of Jesus for the believer who's been washed in that blood. And we need to be thankful for it. We need to hang on to it. Because if it's up to me to keep myself, I wouldn't and couldn't. But He can and He does. And I want to read this Scripture to you. Uh, the Bible says that, well, I'll just quote it to you from, from 1 Peter. It says, who are kept by God by the power of faith. Kept by God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And so we're kept by God. Speaking of believers, Peter is in 1 Peter. We're kept by God. Well, how does He keep me? He keeps me by faith. By causing me and helping me. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. We go up and down with our faith. But I still believe. Maybe today it's just a grain of mustard seed faith. That faith can move a mountain. And that faith is real faith. And that faith is how God keeps me in the Lord. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so He strengthens us to believe and to hold on. I'll just read this uh, from Jude 24. Now unto Him, that's the Lord Jesus, that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. There's nothing in there about you or me other than Him keeping us. Okay? He's able to keep me from falling. He's able to present you and me faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Now, having said this, so I'm going to... i got one more Scripture. I love this Scripture in Hebrews uh, 9, verse 2. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained, past tense, obtained eternal redemption for us. So as a believer, if I now sin, I still have eternal redemption. He purchased it for me. And I've said yes, Lord, like we sang about this morning, to Your will, to Your Gospel, to Your Son, to confession of my sin. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, You're the Savior. I've given my life to Christ. Well, a day later, a minute later, after being born again, I commit a sin. What then? I'm still loved by God. There's still grace and mercy for me after I've been saved. And He has not cast me off from being His child because I sinned even a thousand sins after I've been saved. So here's the point. We're gonna, we said all that to say this. What's the point of obedience for a believer? We're going to talk about it this week and next week as well, as a matter of fact. What is the point for you and I to work? And we do. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That follow after holiness with all peace and holiness with all men, without which no man will see the Lord. That word follow in Hebrews 12 means to pursue after. What's the point of you and I eagerly making a conscious effort to obey Christ? What's the point? If, if, if I'm already saved, which I am, and He still loves me if I sin, I'm, there's still forgiveness if I'm sin, I'm still His child if I sin, what's the point of me putting forth any kind of effort to walk in obedience to the Lord? I want you to think about it for just a second. To me, it's very obvious. Um, what are the ramifications? What's the result? What's the fruit? Remember, we're talking about believers. Why would I beat myself up to try with Paul? beat himself, he says, to try to keep his body under subjection. Why would he do that? It's already going to heaven. 
There's forgiveness, there's mercy. God still loves him. He's still his child. Why would he preach to others? And then when he's through preaching to other people the gospel of Jesus Christ or teaching the believer how to live a disciplined life and, and to pursue after God and how to become disciples of Christ, why would he preach that to them and then he would go and beat himself to keep himself under subjection? Because everything else hinges upon that. Obedience is everything. What are we open with this morning? John, if you're still there, I want you to look at it. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. John 14, 21. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. So he that has my commandments and keeps them. There's some results to that, some blessings to that. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Well, he already loved me before I kept his commandments. We know that from the word of God. God so loved the world that didn't love him. We love him because he first loved us. But he says, I will love him and manifest myself to him. It has to do with relationship. It has to do with relationship. Okay? My obedience to Christ as a believer or my disobedience to Christ, I'm talking about as a pattern. Okay? Not a blip on the radar where I sinned. But my pattern and my striving after God and seeking after God. Even when I feel, don't feel like it. I'm reading the Bible when I don't feel like it. Go into prayer time when I'm tired. Oh, I forgot to pray. I'm going to go meet with God and I don't feel like it. Me doing that as a pattern, there's a lot of blessings that come to that. Like I said, some of this we're going to continue next week, but we say, what's the bother? Now that I'm a blood-bought Christian, why should I strive to walk in obedience to the Lord? So I want you to just picture a believer who's striving to walk with the Lord and another believer, they're both they're saved as each other. And they're saved as any man could ever be because we're saved by grace through faith. The blood of Jesus has washed them both clean. Let's say they both got saved at the same altar on the same day. Twin brothers, okay? Both gave their life to Christ. Now starts their life in Jesus. And this one, for whatever reason, uh, pursues after the Lord. And he's, he falls and stumbles and... and God forgives him, washes him in the blood, dusts him off, puts him back on his feet. He keeps going with the Lord. This one over here is saved, but he makes no real effort to obey the Lord. He's kind of careless, I guess you would say, with the things of God and the salvation. He's trusted Christ as his Savior and Lord, but he's maybe right now infatuated with his friends or the world or things around him or his job or money or could be things like that. And he's just kind of caught up in those things like right now. And a lot of the things that he should be doing, praying without ceasing, not forsaking the assembling of himself together, studying to show himself approved. He's not giving of his finances. He's not loving his neighbor as himself. He's kind of, his thoughts are a lot on him right now. And every now and then he'll ask God to forgive him of something. He's saved. But what's going to be the difference? There's going to be a huge difference in those two lives. This is what I'm concerned about. This is what I'm concerned about for you. And we ought to be concerned about as believers. It's not just heaven or hell. Every saved man is going to heaven. A lot of times modern evangelism just stops right there. Pray this prayer. We'll get you to pray this prayer and get back out there, champ. You know, and they pray this prayer and they go back to the Catholic Church. They pray the prayer and they go back out. Uh, I did it for five years. Got saved in a Baptist church and went right back to my friend's and did the things I did before I got saved. Is there a difference, though, in my relationship with now, now with the Lord than there was then with the Lord? During that thought, much in every way, as Paul said. Much difference. There's no comparison. I'm far from perfect, but I'm walking in the life that He saved me to walk in. When He originally had salvation in mind for people... It was that we might be with Him. I quoted a bunch of times, but I love it. It's just sticking out to me more and more. To the wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. Is that not wonderful? Not just saying, you're saved, you're saved, you trusted in me, you're scattered all over the place. He reconciled through the blood of Jesus men to Himself. And I was saved during my time at LSU, my last year in high school. I believe that. I really did. And I had a conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. But I was not enjoying 
any of the life in Christ, the power, the fellowship, the intimacy, the knowledge, the revelation, the understanding, the fellowship with other believers, that was not part of my life at all. So there are huge uh, results, I guess you would say, for the believer obeying God consistently or not obeying God consistently. Uh, And I want you to know, I made a little point to say this, that every believer still can sin. And I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. I believe every sinner does, every saved person still does sin some point in their lives. But, But the calling of God is not to sin, is it? Beloved, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. I always think about my part and God's part. You know, God, God's, my part is sin not by the power of the Lord strengthening me, okay? His part is if I do sin, I have mercy and forgiveness and grace. But I don't want to take His part. You don't understand what I'm saying? He's sure not going to take my part in sin. And I can't take His part about of being God. I can do what He's called me to do by the power of the Holy Spirit and by His grace. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. That's what I'm called to do. I'm called to abstain from all appearance of evil. And so every believer can sin, but the calling of God upon our lives is to walk uprightly before the Lord. In fact, there's no other calling of God on the believer. You try to find it in the Scriptures. I'm not saying you're called to preach and you're called to to do this or that. I'm talking about as a believer, there's no other biblical call on the life of a believer other than to walk in obedience to Christ. There's no other pattern. I'll try this one. Try the three days on, three days off pattern. Obey Christ for these days. Or, or try that when you're with your worldly friends and people at work, you put your Christianity on the back burner under a bush. Try that plan for a while. And live like they do. Just don't do anything too crazy. And then when you're back with your church people or by yourself, we'll, we'll live for God 100%. You see that plan? Is that one of the plans that we're able to choose from? Or does the Bible say, not say that we have a high calling of God in Christ Jesus? That as He which has called you is holy, so be ye holy. In what? We think in, in a doctrinal belief, yes. But He says in all manner of conversation. Conversation means your behavior. That means your lifestyle. That means your speech. My speech. It means what I look at and don't look at. What I listen to and don't listen to. Who I hang out with and who I don't hang out with. Now, I'm not saying you, you can't help it. You walk down through the LSU campus and this guy walking right past you curses. That ain't your fault. That's not your fault. Okay? That, that you heard that. I'm talking about what you set before your eyes. What you choose to think on. What you choose to dwell on. Because there's only one call of God that I see in the Bible. And we're reading the same Bible. And that is an upward call. It's upward in every way. I'm going to be raptured and up out of here. I'm going to be saved and go to heaven one day when I die if I don't experience the rapture on this earth living. Uh, everything morally about my life and your life is to be upward, is to be better, is to be like Christ. And so that's the only call that I see. And it's, it has to do with our behavior. Our conversation is to be holy. That's the call. I miss the mark often. Believers miss the mark often. I'm certainly not asking for a show of hands how many times we sin. I'm simply saying we do still sin as believers, but we ought to set our hearts and minds to obey Christ and let the sins be less and less. Let them be more and more rare. Let them be more and more something that's in our rearview mirror and washed under the blood of Jesus and gone rather than me living in a pattern of that. There's great hope in that. There are very attainable victories as Christians. Yes, He won the victory on the cross. There are victories for me personally walking in this life over sin. I used to be so, and you fill in the blank, prideful. And you know what? I've brought it before the Lord at the altar many times and He has helped me with that. He's worked a genuine work of, of meekness and humility in my life. It's real. There are real victories in Christ. It's not just always a a pattern of failure after failure in your spiritual walk. There are real victories. I used to not pray an hour a day. And now I pray way more than that because God's helped me in my prayer life. There are real victories in that. I used to be too shy to lift my hands. And now I lift my hands and I worship God. 
These are real victories that God gives us. It's not just, oh, well, God forgives you and, you know, we're all just humans. And I kind of get tired of that. It's almost like a defeatist mentality. Yes, God still loves me. That's not a question. We established that in the first 10 minutes. He still loves me. He still forgives me. I'm still his child. Okay, that's God's part. He's a great God. What am I called to do? I'm called to be like Jesus. Take up my cross, deny myself, and follow him. And I want to live in such a way that gives some glory back to him. For God's sake, let our lives bring some glory to Him. Amen? That we're not just, oh, He loves me anyway. He understands I'm just a sinner. He, you know, I'm just a sinner. I'm imperfect and I'm human. Yes, we are. He knew that when He saved me. But He didn't save me to be that. He saved me to be a child of God. A child of the King. You were darkness. Now you're light in the Lord. Walk as a child of light. That's all we're talking about now. What's the advantage? What's the benefit? I'm already saved. Why well, strive to obey the Lord? There's a lot of benefit. There's a whole lot of benefit in, in serving God. And listen what the Lord's done for us. He has saved us mightily. We didn't join a religion. We got born again. We we're born again. Washed in the blood of Jesus. I was dead. Dead in sins and trespasses. And now I'm alive. You hath he quickened who were dead in sins and trespasses. And, and so it's a mighty salvation. He forgave all my sins. He did something more. He just keeps going more and more. He broke the power of sin from our lives. So I don't just start back up again tomorrow and repeat my whole life of sin that I lived before I came to Jesus. He broke the power of sin and forgave me. That's awesome. I still can sin, but sin does not. Listen to me, y'all. Sin does not have power over our lives. There is not one sin, no matter how strong the temptation, where that sin has power over my life as a Christian, and I have to do it. He makes a way of escape. Some may be harder than others. We have a propensity to certain things more than others, sinful things. I have more of a leaning toward, more, uh, towards it, more of a bent towards it. No doubt about that. I'm not downplaying it. I'm saying God's power over sin and His power over sin in me is greater than that. And He wants us to walk in it. And we have no excuses. It's time to stop, stop making excuses with the modern church. So many in the modern church. Not everyone. There's a, wonderful, a, lot, a lot of wonderful Christians and pastors and churches. But so many just make that excuse. I'm just a human. He, knows, he forgives me. I'm imperfect. And, and all these kind of things. And, well, where is the desire to be perfect? I think seeing you a hunger to want to live for God. I want to see a hunger in you to want to stop that sin. You understand what I'm saying? Something's not right. Maybe you're saved, maybe you're not. If you are saved, you need to get with God and read your Bible and find out what He's called us to be. I'm not saying I'm any better than you, but I do see that that's not the way I'm supposed to live. I may live that way sometimes, but I know I shouldn't. I'm not going to make an excuse for it. I'm going to ask God to forgive me and strengthen me that Monday I don't have to commit the sin I committed on Sunday. I want to be strengthened. I want to be helped. He gives us His Spirit. He gives us His grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Okay? That's what the Lord gives to us. And it's more than sufficient. What God has done in us, what He has done for us, and what He does for us day by day, listen to me, is more than sufficient to enable us to obey Him. So when I disobey God, and I do, I knew this was God's will. I disobeyed God's will. We do it. When I do it, I pray it's less and less. Amen? But when I do it, I still find grace to help in time of need. I, I can't point my finger at God. And I almost feel like some of the modern theology is almost pointing, well, God didn't give me enough grace. Yes, He did. You didn't take advantage of it. He gave you a way of escape. You didn't flee. It was right there. He gave it to you. He told you to flee temptation. He tells us to, that He makes a way of escape. <clears throat> and so, y'all, it's the... We're called to a life, and I'll be bringing this to a close. We're called to a, a live a life unto God in the Holy Spirit in, I would say, loving obedience to the Lord. Sometimes our love for God feels stronger than others, doesn't it? Sometimes we're, our heart's swelling up with us. Maybe a song, maybe a scripture, maybe a sermon. Maybe He blessed us in some incredible way. 
and we're just about to explode in our feeling of love for the Lord. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we don't feel that way. And the Bible says the just are to live by faith. And that means whether I feel like that or not, He just answered the biggest prayer I've ever prayed, and we just can't sleep at night. We're so excited about what the Lord's done. Or I've prayed for months and years, and, and these, this prayer or these prayers have not been answered yet. He's still the same God. He still loves me just as much. And I still have the same responsibility and calling to live a holy life before the Lord. To pray, to thank Him. You see, men, uh, to, to thank the Lord, uh, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I still have the same call and the same strength from the Lord to obey Christ in what I know to be His will. Now, I can't obey Him something if I don't know it's His will. But if I know it's revealed through His Word, okay, or by the Holy Spirit to me, which will be in agreement with His Word, then I need to walk in that. And I need to walk in that regularly. That's a pattern. And I need to walk in a timely fashion. Not Okay, after I'm through with this big week-long frat party at the campus for a week, then I'll get serious about serving God. We obey God when, we, when we're to obey God. We obey God when He's speaking to us when we know it to be His will. And so y'all, one of the things that this does is the only life that pleases God. A life of, I'm talking about a pattern. Okay? Not that we don't have imperfections or sins along the way. But a pattern of serving God, obeying God, and desiring to serve God. Where I'm making a conscious choice and a purpose. I want to serve God. I want to obey what the New Testament tells me is for my life. That's the only life that's going to really please God. That's the only... doesn't mean we're not loved by Him if we don't. We said that. But to really please Him, that's the only life that brings Him honor. That life of obedience to Christ as a pattern, it testifies. Your life is testifying, whether you're saying a lot of words or not. You obeying Christ as a pattern. It's where your life has been transformed. You're not what you used to be. Your whole life is different. Okay? That testifies to a lost world around you. And you know who else it testifies? To me. It testifies to the believers, to the church, about God's power to save whosoever He will, whoever will come to Him, and to transform a life like He talks about. Because I see it in your life. And you see it in my life. But if I'm living in disobedience and people look and say, I wonder if He's really saved or not. He says He is. Sometimes I think he's a really strong Christian. Other times I see him, I'm not really sure. What's the pattern? It's all over the place. But if the pattern of my life is one that's obedient to Christ and people see me sin, and you know what else they might see me sin? See me do? After I sin as a believer, prayerfully come back to them, I was wrong. I listened to this joke and I laughed at it. I asked God to forgive me. Y'all might think I'm nuts, but I'm asking y'all to forgive me. You don't even think it's a problem. But I ask my Lord to forgive me. I'm asking y'all to forgive me. They see that too. That speaks volumes. That speaks more than an hour-long sermon. Right there. And so it honors God. It pleases God. The Bible says that we were saved unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. That's that call. It's not just saved and we're grace, 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 and we're free in Christ and we're free. Free to do what? Free to go back to my sin? Like a dog returns to it vomit? Are free to live a holy life that I can now live, which I couldn't live before I knew Jesus. Because now it's it's not me, it's Christ in me. Because now it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Because now it's finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he gives abundance, a supply of the spirit, the Bible says. The whole third person of the Trinity filling us daily, like rivers of living water, to strengthen us. I'm going to close with a couple of, of scriptures here. Look with me if you would. At first, I mean Colossians, I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 1. These are good kind of scriptures just to, to highlight or, or write down. Colossians 1, 10 and 11. He's writing to the believers, the church at Colossae. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Pleasing who? Pleasing Him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So it was the question was, What's the big deal as a believer? Why do I need to obey Christ? Why do I need to strive to obey Christ? I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. He'll forgive me a thousand times over. I'm still His child. Well, it says here that we might walk worthy of the Lord. Heaven and hell is not the question here. 
unto all pleasing, being fruitful. That's a question here. In every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen, here's where the strength comes from. Strengthen with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. I can tell you this, when I was a Christian and lived in the world, as a compromising Christian, I didn't have joyfulness. I was not joyful. And if you've ever been there, it's a miserable place to be. I don't, wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. To be saved and to live like you're not is a miserable place to be. I'd rather be lost, I think. It's no, no fun. There was no joyfulness in that life at all. I'm going to be all in or I'm going to be all out. And I'm all, all in for Jesus. i got a long way to go, but I can tell you what I want to go with Him. I want to go with Him. And I thank the Lord that He strengthens me to do it. A lot of people, I'm closing with this thought, a lot of people in the church world today, and I'm speaking about the church world, they don't even want to speak about obedience. When's the last time you really heard about obedience to Christ? For a believer. Not believe the Gospel and be saved. When's the last time we heard a sermon about obedience to Christ for the believer? And what does it matter? It matters a lot. We're going to talk about it more specifically, how it matters, how it affects our life. I'm both saved people, once walking hard after God and trying to, to serve God, and God's helping them. And here's another one, kind of careless with their faith. What's going to be the difference in those two lives? Both going to go to heaven? I would attest to that because the blood of Jesus has made them both His and new. But what's the difference in their life? What kind of honors are going to bring God? What kind of power and joy and peace are they going to walk in? What kind of usefulness to Jesus Christ while they're on this earth? A lot of difference, okay? But people don't want to talk about obedience in the church world today because to them, not to me, but to them, it's because they don't understand. To them, it speaks of legalism. It speaks of the Old Testament, which for some reason they have an aversion to, the Old Testament. To them, it speaks about a work-based religion, a bunch of rules. It speaks to them about being old-fashioned. It speaks to them about being restrictive and no freedom. And I would say, Lord, open their eyes because the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the, the law of sin and death. Okay? And so, there is the freedom to walk in a holy manner. I'm not bound in sin. I'm not bound by the power of sin. I'm still tempted to sin, but I don't have to. That's freedom to me. Freedom is not living however you want. That's, a, that's, that's Satan's domain. You're just bound in sin already. So I'm saved and I go back to that. What kind of freedom is that? People don't want to talk about it because to them it's legalism. And it's restrictive. And yet, it's the only place to have the true freedom is loving, consistent obedience to the will of God. I'm going to close with this scripture. You can come if you would. You can turn with me. It would be good to, for you to see where it comes from. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Well, let's read 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. The Bible talks a lot about, we open with it in John chapter 14, the correlation of the relationship between love for God and obedience to God. Now, modern preachers may want to separate that and act like it's not a big union there. There is. Okay? He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, here he says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we, we love God and we keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. I'm stopping with that Scripture. It means they're not burdensome. If God's commandments to you are a burden, then I have a serious heart. We're going to have a serious heart problem. If His commandments, too much, God, it's just grievous. I'm just like toeing the line here. Can't just mess up for one second. If that's our attitude towards the Lord and towards the commandments of Christ, then something's way uh, out of whack. Something needs to be. We need some major heart surgery that only God can do. And guess what? He's willing to do it. And He'll help us to do it. If serving God and keeping His commandments is a labor, not a labor of love, but just a labor. Like you're punching the time clock. You're working on the chain gang. 
Okay, busting rocks till they tell you it's time to get a drink of water and sit down for a second. If serving God and obeying what He has given us in His Word, is that to you, I would say you're probably not saved. But if you are saved and you're still looking at obedience to Christ in that way, we need God to touch our hearts and minds. He's more than willing to do that. We need to open up the Bible and see what He really says. David said in keeping, and he just had the Old Testament law, and the keeping of them is great reward. They were precious to him. The commandments of God. Again, he just had the, the law of Moses. And to him, and the keeping of those commandments to him was life. And it was precious to him. And we have Christ in the fullness of everything. And if his commandments to you are grievous, then say, God, I'm going to keep your commandments by the grace of God. But even bigger than that, or as big as that, I need you to touch my heart to where I don't perceive them as being grievous to me. You would never say that. You would never out of your mouth say it's so hard to serve God. I hate serving God. His commandments or these commandments are so burdensome to me. We know better than to say that. But say it to God if you're saying, Lord, um, to, to me, such and such is, is really hard. It's not enjoyable to me to serve you in this way. Or I don't serve you in this way at all. But I know you're right and that I'm wrong. I know you just said in your word. We just read it. This is how we know we love the people of God. That we love God and keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. And so, Lord, there's something wrong with me. And I need you to touch me and change me. Or I don't look at going to my prayer time like I'm going to whatever, do the laundry, you know, go cut the grass, go paint in the room and caulk and paint in the room. I'm not looking forward to that. You know, I've been putting it off. He wants you to go to Him and say, change my heart because your commandments are not grievous. I confess that they're not. There's something wrong with my heart to where I'm perceiving them as being that way. I know it's the enemy. I know it's my own flesh. But would you help me because the only life that honors you is a life of consistent obedience out of love for the Savior. So Father, we just come before you this morning. I know it's been kind of a long message, but just stay, stay with us and keep your mind on the Lord and take your time to, to meet with the Lord at this altar. It's big enough for several people up here at this altar and you can make an altar at your chair as well that you would just come and meet with Him. Father, we love you. God, I put myself at the head of the list. I'm not at all preaching down to any person here. I'm putting myself right in the midst of everyone here, God, that I need you to help me, to strengthen me, to see the importance of walking in obedience to you, Lord, to do it out of love, to do it with the mindset that your commandments are not grievous, but they're joyful. And their life and their light and they bring us closer to you and they bring you more honor. I pray that you would help your people here today, God, to see that's the call of God that you've called us to. Every single person here, if they're born again, that's the call. It's not different for one than the other. To obey the Lord, to fear his commandments, to walk in obedience of the Lord, to fear the Lord. And God, you strengthen us, walking with all strengthened by God in that inner man and a life that pleases you. Bless your people this morning, God. In Jesus' name.